this morning as we look into God's Word. We are continuing on in the Beatitudes. We're continuing on in Matthew chapter 5. We're getting into blessed are the pure in heart and blessed are the peacemakers. Last week we went over blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy and all that transpires there. Uh, and we need to continue to remember, even as we took communion this morning, of what we are a part of. Um, as we've been discussing all of these things, to know Christ is to be counter to the culture that we live in. It's to think differently than the world thinks. It's to act differently than the world acts. It's to believe differently than the world believes. It's to hope differently than the world hopes. We have a risen Savior who has conquered already, who has already had the final say. The end game is already played out. There is no changing that. And we know that Christ is the winner. Satan has been trampled. Our risen Savior has done that. But we must continue on and live out in a dark and dying world until His coming. And we've talked about how His continual patience, His continual steadfast love for us means that there are more that He desires people to come to Him. And so our prayer is that God would continue to use us while we are here to reach out into the darkness and be a light. Let us uh, pray this morning before we read the Word. Father, we thank You this morning, as You've already mentioned. It is a privilege to be here. It is an honor to be called Your sons and Your daughters. It's an honor to be your children. It's an honor that you would love us so much, though we didn't deserve it, that you sent your son to die for us on our, on our behalf, in our place, taking upon our sin, taking upon our punishment. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you revealed to us through it. We thank you for your spirit that speaks to our own hearts and uses the word in our lives to convict us, to exhort us, to change us, to make us more like Christ. And all that he accomplished while he was here on this earth, the short amount of time that he walked among us, Father, we pray that we would be called your good and faithful servants, listening with an attentive ear to your call, to your voice, and to respond with obedience to all that you have for us. Pray that you would do this this morning through your word and through your spirit in us. You would call us to yourself. Reveal things in our own hearts, Father. Bring us to our knees before you in seeking your face, humbly and honestly. Because, Father, we need you. We need you each and every day, each and every hour, each and every minute. You're the one that puts breath in our lungs. You are the one that gives us 
the reason for our lives. And that is to worship you. To give you the honor and glory that is due to our Lord and Savior and King, our righteous Redeemer. We thank you this morning. We pray you'd speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week we were in Matthew chapter 5. We continue in Matthew chapter 5. We will be going through various verses again this morning as we did last week, talking about mercy and what the scriptures have to say about mercy in various situations and how it applies to our lives. We're going to do the same thing this morning with the pure in heart. We said last week that when Christ said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy, it's not that because we are merciful, we get mercy as if we are earning it or as if we are merited it because we have shown it. But we said it's due to an inward change in our lives that affects our outward appearance and our outward actions. It's because of the Holy Spirit living within us. It's because of our love for God, for what He has done for us that we in turn give to others. And so we continue on in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This morning as we're talking and going through what uh, comes to mind and what has been running through my head is Psalm 24. If you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn there to Psalm 24. It's the Psalm of David. Psalm 24, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 24, verses 1 through 6. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. When we sing that song, give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. It comes from Psalm 24, the Psalm of David. Our desire as marks of a Christian, as Christ is going through this list of things that mark who has truly followed after him, who, be, who could truly be considered his disciples. And we remind you of those things this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It's a recognition that we come to Christ with nothing. 
destitute. Blessed are those who mourn. It's mourning for our own sin, mourning the things in our lives that have displeased Him, mourning the things that have separated us from Christ and knowing that we have betrayed our Lord and Savior time and time again, yet we find comfort because of Christ and His actions on our behalf, yet while we were His enemy. Blessed are the meek, meek being humble and gentle, for they shall inherit the earth, having the characteristics of Christ in our lives as we interact with those around us. It's the ability to tell God exactly who we are before Him and before men as well, to acknowledge, I am just as destitute as the rest of you. I am just as guilty as any one of you. I am just as sinful as the next person, but it's because of Christ's mercy and grace upon my life that I can stand. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because we know Christ. He has changed our thirst for worldly things and he has changed it and given us hunger and thirst for righteousness, for mercy and justice, faithfulness, the things that Christ displayed. We talked about the righteousness that we receive in Christ, through Christ. It's his righteousness on our behalf when we come before him that God accepts us based on the righteousness of Christ and not our own. His desire is that we would continually hunger and thirst for this righteousness. And we find satisfaction in Christ, ultimately at the end of this age or the end of our lives, whichever may come first. Its ultimate fulfillment is found to come, but we can be satisfied knowing who we serve, why we serve, that He is the victor. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Our actions are determined not by our own thoughts and wills and, and things of that we think, but it's determined by God, by Christ, by His Word, what we read in the Scriptures. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. One of the things that time and time again as we read the scriptures, as even as Pastor Jacob has gone through the gospel of Mark, we read many, many times, who did Christ have an issue with? It was the spiritual leaders of Israel. Time and time again. How many times do we hear? The scribes and the Pharisees. Time and time again the scribes and the Pharisees. Let us look at a few of those accounts. Matthew, turn a little later in Matthew to chapter 23, starting in verse 23. Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 23. Jesus lays into the scribes and the Pharisees here for their hypocrisy. He says in verse 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat, and swallowing a camel. 
Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, If we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Christ comes in direct contention with the the scribes and the Pharisees here as uh, they seek to catch him speaking wrongly of the scriptures, interpreting it as it should not be interpreted, or as they understood it. They seek to destroy him in all that he does, and yet he accurately defines their life. The hypocrite is the one who is opposite of the one who is pure in heart. The pure in heart is someone who has no guile within him, is not looking to benefit from anything, is not looking to satisfy their own desires, is not looking to take advantage of any situations that may arise. But the pure in heart are those that seek justice and mercy and faithfulness in everything that they do. As Jesus condemned the Pharisees and the scribes, he told them, you obey these laws, you obey these certain things. You think because of your obedience to these things you are good, but you neglect all of the other things. It's much like when we were reading through the Gospel of Mark and you came to the passage where it was talking about money being given to the temple, that they would you know, work around the law they would slither around it however they could in order that they can get the money. We talked about how in familiar matters, family matters, that the the children are responsible for the adults as they age and for their care and for all of these things. And yet the church, the, the synagogue, would be able to take a certain portion of that money that could be used for them, but because they say we have set it aside for this purpose, and Christ condemned them for it. Look, you're making people sin by not following the law because you're looking towards your own advantage in life. The same he is talking about this. You have done all of these things. You strain out a gnat, yet you're swallowing a camel. So as you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, we've talked many times, there's many rituals, especially concerning the temple, of how things were to be done, of how sacrifices were to be made, of how even the high priest going in once a year to offer sacrifice for all of Israel for their sins. 
there are certain things that are listed in Scripture. You must do this. You must, must do this. All of these laws. And then all the man-made laws that they came about to say all of these things as well. But one of it was you needed to clean the cup and the plate. They needed to be clean. But Christ is referring not to these physical items. He's referring to them themselves. You worry so much about the outside appearance. You worry about everything being perfect. It's, it's much like how many times when people are coming over your house, your house might be a wreck beforehand, but you know someone's coming over and all of a sudden there's this mad dash. Can't let anybody see this. You know, everything's got to be just right. Everything's got to be picked up. The floor's got to be vacuumed and mopped. The dishes need to be cleaned. The laundry needs to be folded and put away. The toys need to be picked up. That never happens in my house. Actually, just yesterday, all, Casey was working. They took every toy out of their toy box and dumped it on the floor. And it's just one huge mass in my living room at the moment. And it's still there, yeah. But they're so worried about the outside that they neglect the inside. They neglect their own personal holiness before God. They're worried about what everybody else may think or say about them, that they can be as Christ would condemn them also. Don't be like the Pharisees who stand out on the street corner, who yell their prayers out in front of everybody, thinking how holy they are, yet internally they're dead. There's nothing there. Christ isn't even listening. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. Time and time and time again, we talk about this. It's not about somebody's outward appearance, but it's about a change of heart that takes place is what we need in our lives. It's a change of heart. Like Christ is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, the seed of our emotions, the seed of our actions. For you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. You hypocrites. May it not be said of, of us here that that would be how we live our lives, that outwardly we appear one way before people, but inwardly we are dead. Christ calls us to be pure of heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you remember the story of the Israelites, you have coming before, you have them coming out of Egypt, being called out of Egypt by Moses, right? They're being led in the wilderness. He is their guide, their leader. Eventually he will die. He didn't get to take them into the promised land. Caleb and Joshua we're able to do that, Joshua taking the place of Moses and leading the people of all these things. And they want a king before them, but before that you had the rule of the judges, people that would rule in their place. And then they finally said, I want a king. We want somebody to rule over us. We want somebody to tell us what to do. So they found somebody. His name was Saul. Right? And he was a man of stature, a man of presence, a man that as he would go into other kingdoms, as he would go into battle, 
He was fierce, formidable. He gave that impression. And after a time, it says that the Lord would leave Saul. The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. And Christ, God, calls out to his priest, calls out to Samuel and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and anoint another king over Israel. And so we're going to read that story this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 16, if you want to turn there. 1 Samuel chapter 16. So in 1 Samuel chapter 16, you have the Lord speaking to Samuel, asking him in verse 1, How long will you grieve over Saul, since I rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves. And come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. If you're not familiar with this passage, you may not know what comes next, but that phrase right there. Samuel is looking at the exterior of the sons of Jesse. David, who is going to be crowned the next king, who is going to be anointed with oil, is not even present. But Samuel's first instinct is to say, surely the Lord's anointed is here. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7, do not look on his appearance were on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. The Lord looks on the heart. When we come before the Lord on the day of judgment, we will come and give response to him of what we did with our lives. And he is going to be our judge. And he will judge the actions of our lives based on Christ's blood upon us. And so we need not be concerned about going into the fiery flame if we know Christ, if we have had that change of heart, if we have been made a new creation, as Corinthians tells us, as Paul tells us to the Corinthian church. 
but we will need to, to give a response for what we have done with him. If we've lived our life pure of heart, have we Have we, as Paul tells Timothy, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Is that how we live our lives? Or are we still wrestling with things in the world that say we should do this and we know Scripture directly contradicts that? Do we give advice to others that directly contradicts Scripture? Do we come to the Scripture as our ultimate guide of truth? There is one truth, and that's found in here. As I mentioned before, answers will not come from the world and the things in our lives that we deal with. The only answers will come from God's Word and from His leading and from the Spirit speaking to us. Paul to Timothy, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Paul in that passage is telling Timothy to beware of false teachers who are going to be teaching the law, who are going to be teaching these things, not knowing exactly what they meant and are going to be leading people astray. The desire is not that we would lead people astray or away from Christ. Our desire is that we lead people to Christ, before Christ on their knees before God. First Peter chapter 1. If you turn there, First Peter chapter 1. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Peter tells his listeners here. He says in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you skip down to verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. God's Word is living and abiding. And it's living and abiding in us. To those that have been called His sons and His daughters. God's desire for us is not just mere rule obedience. It's not just following this list. That's not what he desires. That's what the Pharisees thought pure of heart would be, that would, would get them to heaven, that would grant them mercy and grace from God was 
okay, God gave us all of these things. If I follow all of these things perfectly to the best of my ability, not even, but just to the best of my ability, I will be accepted. You know, to the, to the letter of the law. And that's not what Paul tells his hearers. Paul would tell them the law was brought forth so that it can show us our sin, our, our, our depravity, the, that the fact that we were in need of a Savior. It was never meant to save. It was never meant to be a way of salvation because we could never live up to it. We can never fulfill that standard. But the one who did, Christ, Jesus Christ in our place, fulfilled that standard for us, and it's by faith in Him. And it's because of His pureness of heart, and it's His righteousness that we receive these things, that we can be pure in heart as we follow Christ. God desires heart obedience over rule obedience. It's sincerity in our lives. Very familiar with the passage in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. That's the kind of love that God calls us to. And love does not come without pain. I'm going to be clear on that. Just because we experience the love of God does not mean that we won't also experience the dis uh, the word I'm looking for the the discipline of the Lord. If you think of it as parents, as your children are growing up, right? They need discipline in their lives. They need to be shown a particular way of doing things for their own safety, for their own benefit, for their own goodwill. Sometimes they don't understand it. But it's because of your love for them. It's the same for Christ with us. He loves us and therefore He disciplines us. Therefore, it says in the next verse, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, as sons of God, and all that the rights and inheritance that come with that, it also means that we will experience pain and anguish and displeasure, but it's for our own good. John Stott said this concerning the pure of heart. And it's a good indication of how many of us have lived our lives in the past. It's an indication of how the world continues to live its life. It may be an indication of even our own life now if we have not been convicted of these things. It says, yet how few of us live one life and live it in the open. We are tempted to wear a different mask and play a different role according to each occasion. Right? So the, the hat game. How many hats are you wearing? 
you know, if you're at this thing, you wear this hat. If you're over here, you wear this hat. You show this face. You do this differently. You know, you know they are uptight about some of the things over here. Let's not, we won't talk about that. We don't bring those up. But sometimes it might be with the in-laws. We know how things are. You know, we stay away from certain categories. We don't reach out sometimes because of things we know. How many different masks, different roles according to each occasion? This is not reality, but play acting, which is the essence of hypocrisy. Some people weave round themselves such a tissue of lies that they can no longer tell which part of them is real and which is make-believe. Alone among men, Jesus Christ was absolutely pure in heart, being entirely guileless. Only the pure in heart will see God. See Him now with the eye of faith and see His glory in the hereafter. For only the utterly sincere can bear the dazzling vision in whose light the darkness of deceit must vanish and by whose fire all shams are burned up. The question this morning is, are you wearing a mask? What mask are you wearing? Do you know if you're wearing a mask? The only way that we are pure in heart is if we remain in Christ, if we abide in Christ. As John Stott rightly put it, only Christ was absolutely pure in heart, absolutely guileless. It wasn't for his own gain. It wasn't for... the things that we desire, that the world desires, it was to do the will of his Father so that his purposes may abound. A few of us live one life and live it in the open. My prayer this morning is that as we continue on and we look next week at being peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And we look back on these things, look back on the Beatitudes, each one, and re reflect on them and what it is in our own life that we're displaying with our families, with our friends, with our parents, with those that we meet down the street whether it's at the grocery store, wherever it is that we meet people. Are we just putting on a happy facade? Or are we truly convinced of the scriptures and what they mean and how they impact our lives? Because only the pure in heart, it says, shall see God. We've talked before about those in the scriptures that have seen the passing of God. Scripture says we can't see God to face, face to face, or surely we would die. That's what the Lord told Moses on the mount when he said, let me see your glory. Let me see your face. And he said, I will let you just see me as I pass by. I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock, and you will see my passing glory. And his face shone bright 
as he walked down that mountain, and the people were afraid. The only way that we are pure in heart is if we abide in Christ and He in us. Are we pure in heart? Are we living like Christ in our lives? Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for Your Word. We thank You for Your Spirit living within us, and we pray that You will continue to guide us and shape us. Pray that your word talks about us, you know, having this treasure in jars of clay, that you are the potter and we are the clay, and you are the one that has formed us and made us, and you are continually shaping us, removing those layers that need to be removed, revealing your Son through us. We pray that you would continue to do that. Pray you would knock those edges off that need to be knocked off, that you would refine those things in our life that need to be refined, that we would be reflections of your love towards us as we love others. And it's only by your power living within us. It's only by your Spirit who has changed us from the inside out. We pray that we would not be as the Pharisees or the scribes, as Christ would call them hypocrites, that we would not just be putting on a good face, good act, but that it would be from a pure heart that has been changed by the blood of Christ, by the righteousness of Christ being applied to our lives that we go out and share the good news with a lost and dying world, that we are partakers of the great privilege it is to serve as your ambassadors. So now that we have a message that is for all people, for all time, in all situations, in every facet of life, no matter where they are found. Your love reaches into the darkness and can pull them out. We thank you, Lord. And we ask that you would give us clean hands and give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our soul to another. Let us not look to any other but you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.